Good evening. Just a couple of announcements before we begin. I'm really excited about the prayer that started up before the morning service. They're up in 502 uh, at 930. And so uh, I'm in. I'd like to have 50 people there and force everyone out of there down into the Fenway room. Uh, So uh, uh, that's really exciting. I just, uh, it's, a, it's a great thing to, to have and be made available just to, to, to start doing the work. You know, the work uh, that we do is all done, really, in the prayer room. And so uh, uh, I'm really excited because it's growing there. And, and uh, that wasn't any, it wasn't my idea to start there. It was just someone came into the church and they started. And so I'm really happy about that. The... Uh, mm, as well, there's a mandatory ministry meeting this uh, Saturday at my house at six o'clock. And uh, if you're also, if you're interested in ministry, that's a potluck. Uh, and we also have the um, the home fellowship is continuing uh, in Mission Hill, uh, 7:30 on Friday. If you're a parent and, and uh, you don't have childcare, please speak to Pastor Scott. We're going to try to uh, do some uh, rotation. Of, of child care. Also, uh, ski trip, annual ski trip. What is the date? March 17th. Uh, we're going to uh, Pat's Peak uh, again. And so, uh, really looking forward uh, to that. What else should I be announcing, Scott or Dave? Anything you can think of I should be announcing? Snow tubing for youth, February 17th. Snow tubing for youth, February 17th. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, um, we don't pass a plate here at Calvary Chapel. There's an offering box in the back. If you have a beep or cell phone, please turn it off. And uh, let's get into God's Word. If anyone needs a Bible, please raise your hand. We are in 2 Samuel, going chapter by chapter through the Old Testament. Um, Chapter 22, a very different chapter than we've been used to for actually a long, long time. Chapter 22 of 2 Samuel. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much that we can uh, just open up your word and close, uh, open the day in your word, close the day in your word. And, and God, I just pray that we would be as those who uh, the, the word richly dwells in us uh, as, as, as actually uh, we're commanded to do, Lord. And I, I just pray that this would just... Uh, uh, just be a start for the rest of the week, Lord, where, where, uh, where the Word of God richly dwells in us. And Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would do uh, just a work this evening uh, with this, this wonderful, mighty, powerful psalm that we're about to read, Lord. And, and God, how we want to have the, the hearts and minds and souls of worshipers, worshipers of you, Lord. We want that. We want that. And I just pray, Father, uh, tonight that we would uh, become closer to being just those kind of people, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we are nearing the end of David's life, and uh, we've seen many ups and downs, and uh, things have been uh, really, really intense along the way. And uh, we see here, we get to chapter 22, and what you have here in chapter 22 is 
uh, basically Psalm 18. <laughs> uh, it's very, very close to Psalm 18. The, verse 1 of Psalm 18 is sort of in the introduction of Psalm 18, um, although that introduction part was put, probably put at a later time but, uh, than it was uh, originally uh, written. But um, there is some, uh, you know, some disagreement about when this was actually written. Some said it was earlier in David's life. But you know, I, I think that we have no reason to dispute the fact that, uh, look, it's, it's, it's placed here, although the Bible's not always written chronologically, uh, it's placed here. Uh, right um, after 21, which is in the latter, towards the latter 10 years of his life, in uh, chapter 23, which are David's last words. No reason to believe uh, anything other than uh, this is towards the, the very end of his life. Uh, it is true that chapter 24 is something that happened much, much earlier, but um, uh, I think the, the wiser thing to do is to, to stick with the uh, chronology. And, uh, you know, it is uh, in the life of David, uh, the Psalms just flowed out of his life in the earlier part of his life. They just flowed out. And uh, you don't see that towards the end of his life. And he, uh, you know, just took uh, a a, a tremendous, uh, his life just took a tremendous turn at the time that he sinned with Bathsheba and he wound up reaping the consequences for the rest of his life. You do have Psalm 51 uh, and uh, a couple other Psalms, Psalm 38. It's possible that may have been written uh, towards the uh, uh, latter part of his life. But uh, nothing just like the outflowing uh, that had happened in the earlier part of his life. And that had nothing, by the way, to do with the fact that his life was easier uh, at the beginning um, uh, of his uh, of his time with God. In fact, many of those psalms uh, in, in the psalms were written uh, while he, the, during the 10-year period, he was living out in caves and in uh, nooks and crannies and rocks while Saul was trying to kill him. And, uh, and each, he, every couple of weeks, he had to move. And, um, uh, and there were still tr- ter- tremendous uh, psalms during that time period. Uh, uh, here you have though a psalm towards, uh, which appears to be at the very end of his life, uh, which uh, tells me uh, and is yet another encouragement that, uh, you know, we can always finish well, no matter how low things get. Um, There's still a blessing ahead of us in our life if we're willing to receive uh, the grace of God. Um, Just wanted to share with you, we're we're not going to be in the psalms themselves for quite some time, uh, I just want to share with you my own personal testimony uh, about the Psalms, because uh, this is a psalm, this, this, this uh, chapter. I have actually been in the Psalms and haven't left them for years and years and years, about uh, five or six or seven years after I became a Christian. Just started in Psalm 1 and made my way each day with one psalm to Psalm 150, uh, and then uh, went, back, uh, went back to the beginning as soon as... Um, as soon as I ended the last one, and then I just w- went over and over again, and uh, it has been just such a rich, rich experience uh, being in the Psalms for many, many years. And the thing uh, that is so rich for me is because you go in there and and you're like, wow, this is the real thing. Here's a guy who wanted to, he he, he who would just be in the depths of despair and depression. 
uh, at certain times in his life, and he cries out about his depression in the Psalms. Uh, here is another. Here is also a man who was able to say, like in Psalm 62, I will not be shaken. In other words, there's a godly confidence that we can have, and that he shouted that. And then everything in between. And, and so, but there's something so encouraging about reading that uh, in the life of, of a believer like David. Uh, life is, you know, uh, when, you know, wanting to take your own life because you're just so discouraged is a real thing that's happened to real men and women of God. And, and it's encouraging to read that because, you know, they got past that stage, uh, even though they were crying that out for a while. Uh, and, and yet, um, also just the mountaintop. And so I just, um, really, really encourage you to make the Psalms uh, a part of your, uh, your uh, daily diet. Just so happens right now I'm in a, uh, in a devotional. Well, I'm not going through Psalm 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. haven't been for the last four or five months. I'm in a devotional now uh, by an, some anonymous Puritan from the 18th century, and he's always going into the Psalms as well. So I feel uh, very safe. Uh, I can't get too far away from the Psalms and, and still feel good about my devotional life. It's just, just so incredibly rich. Uh, but here at the end of his life, uh, uh, David, uh, there's one more sort of bursting out of praise to God. And, uh, you know, there's a, a proverb that Stephanie, Stephanie and I are reading through the Proverbs at night. There's a proverb that says, the foolish man ruins his life, but in his heart he rages against the Lord. Isn't that true? Uh, because of a, uh, uh, a man or woman's own bad, foolish decisions, they ruin their life. And whose fault is it? It's God's fault. Well, that doesn't happen here with David. He made some real foolish choices, and he really paid a heavy price. But you don't see his heart raging against the Lord uh, at the end of his, his life. Uh, you see um, a psalm that is as stunning and powerful as ever, and um, he's declaring the, the faithfulness of God, that God is faithful, uh, faithful even when we are faithful. Uh, faithless. Verse 1 says, Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hands of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And so uh, this would include, I believe, Absalom. This is, this is the time of rest at the end of his, his life uh, when there was that complete uh, deliverance. And uh, so um, it's, it's, you, you notice in that first uh, in the first few words, it says, then the le- David spoke to God. So David was not only a worshiper, he was a man who understood prayer, and prayer is nothing more, nothing less than just speaking to God. It's not necessarily a formal thing. It's, uh, it's, 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 it can be spontaneous, as spontaneous as any other conversation you have with anyone else. And uh, it says he spoke to the Lord the words of this uh, psalm. So he had many, many intense times, uh, but you rarely, uh, you did see a couple times, but you rarely see uh, uh, David quit talking uh, with the Lord. The one time uh, that you did see him uh, quit talking with the Lord, that one time in 
at 1 Samuel 27, when he, he left Israel and went to live with the Philistines, that's when things really, really got bad for him. And so he knew he couldn't stop talking with the Lord. Please don't stop talking with the Lord, no matter how bad things get uh, or how good things get. Uh, some of us stop talking to God when things get good, and we, and we need a whack uh, in order to uh, start talking to him again, as we were uh, talking about this morning. But verse 2 says, the, God, um, uh, verse two says um, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. You save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. And you know what this is? This is a testimony. And I hope that every person in this room takes very seriously building your own testimony. Building your own testimony. And you know the only way that you can build a testimony is when you trust in the Lord. Uh, I look back at a few times in my life where it, I, it just seemed to be so very clear that the Lord had put me in a place in my life where, where I, could, I could have trusted in him or I could, could decide not to trust, and I decided not to trust. And you know something? There are many times, yes, when I trust the Lord. But, you know, I look back at those times, and, and what I did is it was a lost opportunity to have a testimony for the Lord. Uh, the wonderful thing about the, the Psalms where, you know, David says, the Lord is my rock. That was his reality. That was the reality of his life. That was just something that had, was true because he had seen it, he had tested it, and it was true. God had, uh, God, uh, God was his rock and he, and he just knew it. And I think of when those 10 years when his, his life was just miserable and he was just so depressed. And it says that the, Saul chased him every single day. But no matter what Saul did, he couldn't kill him. And after a while, it's it just David realized that God is my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. He's my strength in whom I will trust. The more times you trust God and allow him to work in your life, the more strongly you will be able to say, in whom I will trust, future, I will trust in him. The more times you refuse to trust in God and, and sort of the, go your own way and do things in your own strength, the, 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 you know, saying I will trust him is going to be a lot more difficult because you'll look back and you'll say, well, I haven't trusted him in the past, so I haven't seen uh, that kind of faithfulness in my own life. So incredibly easy. I remember when I first just started teaching Bible studies as a, as a young Christian, so incredibly easy. You just got to trust in the Lord. You got to put faith. He's a rock. He's a deliverer. But let me tell you, when God started just putting those situations in my life that were just incredibly intense and hard, to, to trust in him, it, it, it was a lot different. <laughs> Let me tell you, it was a lot different then. It's so easy to say it. Um, but, but when you actually do trust uh, in the Lord and you see his deliverance, then you can say, so shall I be saved 
from my enemies. And you have an enemy of your soul. And he's lying to you. And, and he wants to trip you up. And, and he wants to discourage you and keep you in despondency. And so the question is, are you going to trust him? And so verse 5, when the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. Fear is such a big part of knocking us off our, our walk in trusting the Lord. Fear. And so it says, it made me fear. And you can only imagine the war, spiritual warfare that David was in, being establishing the line of Messiah, how Satan just wanted to knock this guy off. Verse 6, the sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. Uh, you know, it reminds me of a psalm uh, that uh, uh, is one of my favorite, although it's it's uh, unbelievably intense uh, psalm. It's um, it's uh, Psalm one forty three, and it, 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 this psalm means uh, so much to me. Uh, where David says. In this psalm, actually, can you turn there with me? It's Psalm 143. <coughs> I just want to share some of the things that have just meant so much and worked in such a powerful way in, in our lives, step in my life over the year. Verse 2, do not enter into judgment with your servant. So here's a guy who's under condemnation. He's under condemnation. The devil is condemning him. Do not uh, enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous, for the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have been long dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed uh, within me. My heart within me is distressed. And and so um, I remember after uh, Stephanie gave birth to our third child and she was had a postpartum sort of thing, and right in the midst of that, we had an extremely traumatic thing happen in our life, incredibly traumatic. And so we had this little baby, and we ha- I, I had my wife, and she was in high trauma, and, and she was really unable to care for, my, for our children. I had to call my mother in, and, and people were saying, uh, you know, you have to uh, get her uh, to a doctor. You have to get her counseling. And, and I just felt the Lord say, no, that's not, what, uh, uh, that's not what she needs. She needs this psalm. And so we sat down and we read this uh, psalm together after, you know, she had been like this for a few weeks uh, where it says, for the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart is distressed. Verse 7, answer me speedily, O Lord, my spirit fails. Uh, Do not hide your face from me, lest I uh, be like those who go down to the pit. Uh, Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Because uh, uh, cause me to know the way which uh, I should walk, 
for I lift my soul to you. And, and I just saw her before my very eyes just, just completely come out of this thing within a matter of just hours. Just the, just the rich power of the Holy Spirit uh, using this psalm that just just ministering to her and letting her know this is real what you're going through. But guess what? God can bring you out. Jesus Christ can bring you out. And so uh, this psalm uh, has just such special uh, meaning to me. And it's very similar uh, to where David in Psalm Second uh, Samuel uh, 22, verse 5, he says, when the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness uh, made me fear. The sars ashore, meaning death, surrounded me. The snares of death uh, confronted me. And so here's a guy. It's gone. It's lost. It's over. I mean, he, 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 the, the, the darkness had just come into him. This is, this is a man who's like in a fetal position up in the corner of a wall somewhere. I mean, it, it, it's over. Uh, and it says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. So no matter how bad it gets, we have to call upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry entered his ears. My cry entered uh, his ears. And so uh, he, uh, uh, David uh, was in that place in, in verse 5 where he didn't know if the God was listening. He didn't think that God is listening. And again, uh, what a source of condemnation when the enemy is just telling us, God's not listening, you're not saved. <laughs> God's obviously silent. And, and, and yet that's exactly the experience of the man who established the line of the Messiah. And, and not only here... Uh, uh, Psalm 13, verse 1, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy uh, be exalted over me? Psalm 22, uh, you've heard this one. It's a messianic song, but it also was the experience of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry out in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and I'm not silent. And so here's a man. This is real. This happens to people uh, in the warfare. This is what goes on. And, and, um, uh, but but what, is, what does David say at the end? It says, my cry entered his ear, meaning uh, the, our prayer, our cry, when we're a child of God, we have access to the throne, our, our prayers don't bounce back. They do not bounce back. God hears them. And, and, and he's doing some kind of work in our life we don't completely understand. Uh, you know, think about the prayer uh, that you prayed this week. You know, for your family, for your spouse, for your children, for the people at work, you know, for, for you know, people who, in your life who are, who are ill or people in your life who uh, you can't stand and, and you're, you're crying out for mercy. All of them entered into 
his ear. Now, a wise man, a very wise man, who <laughs> once said this, and this is great if you're taking notes, if you know God has heard your prayers, everything else is a detail. And oh boy, is that true. Just a matter of detail. When, when he gives you that faith to understand he's heard you, everything else is just a detail. He's, it, it, he's going to work it out. And, and so in verses um, 8 uh, through 13, we see the detail here. It says, Then the earth shook and trembled. Uh, the foundation of heaven quaked and, uh, and were shaken. Because he was angry, smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire, fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and flew, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness uh, uh, canopies around him, dark waters and thick clouds of the sky. From the uh, brightness before him, coals of fire were kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and uh, scattered them, lightning bolts, and he vanquished them. The channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were uncovered at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils he sent from above he took me he drew me out of uh, many waters now many people think that this is a description of the prayer that uh, that uh, david prayed in verse 1 of chapter 21 when there had been drought for 3 years uh, and and this is the answer here and and uh, the the fire and uh, is uh, and the smoke and his nostrils and the devouring fire is referring to lightning and 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 thunder and, and this type of thing. And uh, verse seventeen, he sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. And, and so, and this is just remember, it says that it, it rained so hard that that the that the sky was liquefied. It was just filled with water. And 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 so God has heard your prayers. Everything else is a detail. There's an enormous amount of spiritual. Uh, uh, there's an enormous amount going on in the spiritual realm that you cannot see. See, uh, you know, all this in verses eight through through eighteen. There, there, it's it's a description of what's going on in the heavenlies, and you know, we don't see it. I, you know, I, I'm going listening to a series on on Genesis, and uh, it's just it really is amazing. You know, the time where 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 uh, Jacob went and he was so tired that he used like a rock for his pillow. I mean, that's like really, you got to be tired to use a rock for a pillow. I mean, my wife will tell you I have like 10 pillows in my bed. It's really kind of bizarre, but I do. I have like 10 pillows. I'm like really into soft things like that, but a rock, whatever. Anyway, he must have been really tired. And up to that point in his life, Jacob had just been a scoundrel. There's nothing really redeeming that he did up to that point. Where was this? Bethel? I think that was the place. And, and what happened? Uh, he, went to, to, uh, he went to sleep and he had a vision of angels coming down from heaven and going back up. And for the first time, he realized the amount of spiritual activity all around him in his life, that God was real. And not only that, what did again? Jacob did nothing to deserve that up to up to that point. It was totally the grace of God, 
and 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 there's just all this intense activity. There's intense angelic spiritual activity right around us that we don't know about, that we would just freak out and probably croak uh, if if we saw uh, J- Jacob. Um, now, of course, there was a, a lot at stake with that line, you know, Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. Uh, th- there was a, a lot at stake with that line, but but uh, and so there was going to be a lot of spiritual activity, but that is a picture of, of, of the spiritual activity. Problem is, is many times, for whatever reason, to us, it just, it's like complete silence. I remember being so totally called to come up here uh, to, to Massachusetts, actually return here after I had left, and, and sending up a bunch of resumes. And, and I'm telling you, it was so silent for... Uh, it seemed like the longest time you could have just cut the silence with a knife. Uh, but I it was only to find out later that there was so much going on. God was doing all this fire and nostril thing up here in, uh, <laughs> up here in Boston. And, and so um, that was very real to David, though. It's, uh, he, you know, he said, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. And, and so... God was silent, but there was a lot going on, uh, you know, in the heavenlies, even as he had cried out. And so, uh, if you know that God has heard your prayers, everything else is a detail. And may God fill our hearts with faith. Uh, May God fill our hearts with faith. Verse 18 says there, He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me. Uh, for they were too strong for me. Now, uh, this may seem pretty obvious, but, uh, you know, as, 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 as a young man in high school and, and after, I was just a really, really cocky kid, and I thought I could conquer the world. Uh, and it was a real cool work in my life when God started pointing out to me in the most obvious way, there's, there's a lot of people around who are a lot smarter than you, a lot more gifted than you, uh, a lot more talented than you, uh, and a lot smarter. And it's like, oh, really? Uh, and and uh, uh, oh, yes, really. And and you know something? It's true. It's true. And you know, just as David says uh, here, uh, he says they were too strong for me. Uh, and and our enemy is too strong for us. And and you know, there's people out there out there who are very much opposed to. Um, sort of what we believe in, they're a lot smarter than us. <laughs> they're a lot smarter than me. Maybe they're not smarter than you. They're a lot more gifted than us in many ways. At least they're more gifted than me. Uh, there, there's, there's uh, for some of you musicians, there's musicians out there, I, I hate to break the news, that are a lot more gifted than you are. <laughs> um, but you know something? God's going to take what you have your gift, and he's going to do a work that's so much more powerful. It's just one of the incredible things of reading just the story of Gideon and the Old Testament, and I love what Wesley says, you know, I don't care about the, the millions of people who are opposing the church, just give me, give me 50 preachers who are sold out for the Lord, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll turn this generation upside down, and it happened. And, 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 and so uh, they may be stronger than us, they may be smarter than us, uh, the, 
you know, God's wisdom is foolishness uh, to the world, but God will turn the wisdom of the world into foolishness. And so um, really important that we do understand, particularly uh, in our attitude of prayer to God in our, in our devotion life, that, Lord, you know, every, the people around me, the people who don't like what I'm doing, the people who are opposing me, they're, they're smaller, smarter and more gifted than I am. And, 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 and we need to recognize that because it's only in our weakness that God uh, can, uh, can use us. And so um, he goes on, 19, they confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. So just such a tremendous thing at the end of our lives to be able to have a testimony, please, Consider this, uh, if you take nothing else away uh, from this evening, God wants to build a testimony with your life. God wants to build a testimony for you to leave to encourage others just as this is encouraging us right now. Uh, You know, your friends, your children, the people around you. He wants to build a testimony uh, with your life. And, and, and here's this testimony, but the Lord was my support, verse 20. He also uh, brought me out into a broad place, to a broad place. And, and, and I like that, and, and you see this in the Psalms as well. This concept of a broad place is a concept where, you know, he does bring us, and there are those seasons where it's like, wow, you know? This is not like so unbelievably, incredibly difficult like I thought it was always going to be, you know? And, 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 and there's, it doesn't last like that forever, you know, but, but he brings those into, into, to, into those seasons where there's just a time of rest, we're in a broad place, we're encouraged, and, and, uh, and God always brings times of refreshing like that. He delivered me because he delighted in me. He delivered me because he delighted in me. God's not going to deliver you because of any righteousness in your life. He's going to deliver you because you're a child and he delights in you. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has recompensed me. For I've kept the ways of the Lord and uh, have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me. And as for his statutes, I did not depart uh, from them. I was also blameless before him and I, I kept myself from iniquity. Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his eyes. Now, obviously, David was a guy who made some a terrible, terrible blunders. He was guilty of murder, among many other things. So how can he be saying this? Well, the same way that we can say that God delights in us in spite of the, just the, the ruin we made out of certain situations in our life and just the ugly and the rebellion and the sin and, and maybe there's even backsliding of some people here. Well, we can still say on the basis of God's word and God's word alone that he delights on us. Why? The blood of Christ has cleansed us from all sin. And so uh, according to the, uh, my cleanness in his eyes. So David was not going to dwell in the past. He dwells in his current standing before God. I can't tell you how much time I spend as a pastor pleading with people. 
to, to not dwell in the past, dwell in your current standing before God. People have such a difficult time understanding the grace and, and the, that, that salvation is a gift and that God is ever wanting to bless. He's ever wanting to give grace. Uh, and, and, and again, as I was talking about this morning, the unbelievable cost that he paid in order for us to be, in order so that he could give us the grace. The last thing he wants to do now is withhold it. Uh, and, and so I spend so much of my time pleading and urging people uh, uh, to, to consider what the word of God says about your current standing. Uh, not about the mess that you may have made of your life. Uh, and so um, this is the work of God uh, in a believer's, uh, a believer's life. Verse 26, with the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With a blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. You will save the humble people, but your eyes are, all, are on the haughty that you may bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness. So again, verse 29, you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness. Now, this is the, the particular Hebrew word here, I'm told, the same word that you can use like for a candle. It's a, it's, a, it's a light, but it's not a floodlight. It's just a light that you're going to be able to see right around you. Uh, you're not going to be able to, to see, you know, it's like I'm told the halogen lamps or whatever, the astronauts can see them from space, which seems crazy to me. All, you know, all this stuff they can see from space. But I heard the whole Chinese wall thing isn't true, by the way. You can't see the Chinese the Great China Wall from the Great Wall of China from the space, but I guess you can see halogen lamps. But uh, anyway, that's not what this Hebrew word is. I guess there was no halogen lamps in uh, Israel uh, four thousand years ago. But but um, this was just a uh, just enough light uh, to, so you can see right in front of you. And 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 whether we like it or not, <laughs> that's usually the only light God gives us enough so that we can see right in front of us. If we were to be able to see in the future, uh, we might not go into the future. <laughs> it, it, we're like, what? I, I'm not up for that. Sorry, I'm going the other way. Uh, either that or if he could give us enough light to see in the future, and, and, and I'm really, really serious about this one too, is that's all we'd ever be doing. We'd just be looking in the future. God wants us in the present adoring him. He doesn't want us our entire Bible time. Oh, wow. So in 2011, what am I doing? That's all I'd be doing in my devotion time if I could see. And I'd be going from year to year to year, you know, see what's going on with my kids and uh, grandkids or whatever. Or maybe, you know, G's going to come tomorrow and I won't have any, but whatever. Uh, you know, and, and, but he gives us just enough light. Uh, you know, we are... We are in darkness here. We're pilgrims on this earth. We're sojourners. The sojourner means we're temporarily here, and this land does not own us. It's a great word uh, in the Bible. Fortunately, I don't think the New King James has it. Uh, but um, we're pilgrims. We're, we're here temporarily, and God gives us... So it's, it's a dark place that we live in, but God gives us enough light 
to see right in front of us. And um, he's faithful to do that. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness. Verse 30, for by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. Uh, And I love this. And boy, is this a lot different than verse 5, when the ways of death surrounded me. And, you know, here's a guy who is brimming with confidence. And every once in a while, people do ask me, well, you know, the Bible says, don't be confident lest you fall. So why uh, is he in, like, sin or something uh, when he is saying things like that? Psalm 62 says, I will not be shaken. That's what David says. Uh, And I don't think he's in sin at all. I think that... um, He's filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a godly confidence, confidence that comes from God. Be very careful with it. Be very careful with that confidence. But it's, 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 it, God, in his grace, does give it. And it's a blessing uh, in those seasons where we can say with David, for I can run against a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. Uh, that, that's awesome. That's, there's the, the joy of the Lord is our strength, and I see joy there. Uh, so important, um, uh, that joy. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? God is my strength and power, and he makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of, the, uh, of deer. He sets me on my high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. And so um, David had very dark days, but here uh, you see him sort of just glorying in uh, the strength uh, that God does provide. And... Uh, It says, as for God, his way is perfect. His word is proven. And, and, you know, the great thing about this, again, I I may be sounding like a broken record, but uh, when it says his his word is proven there in verse 31, uh, cut that one out and put it over your your doorpost because this one is just so important uh, that we need to allow, we need to be able to test God as to whether his word is true. So that we can say with David, his word is proven. Again, we'll never be able to to build that testimony unless we test him at his word. Uh, Even if it's so much as saying, look, I don't believe this, God, that this particular promise that you have for me is true, but I'm just going to go ahead and do it because that's what your, uh, your word tells me to do. I mean, David said... I mean, God said, David, go kill that bear, and, and, and he killed that bear. God said, go kill that lion, and, God, and David killed that lion. Uh, God said, go kill that eight-foot giant, and, and, and David did it. See, he was proving the word of the Lord. It wasn't David's idea to kill Goliath. It was the word of God speaking to him and, and just telling him, Do you realize what's going on here, David? Here's an uncircumcised pagan defiling the armies of God. That made no sense to David. And and, and so he says, well, okay, I I guess that means I got to kill this guy. Yes, go kill him. And and, and so his word was proven. Uh, To me, the, the the greatest testimony to me of David's life is that he was anointed to be king by Samuel. And 
<laughs> way, way before uh, he, he was king. And every, so many things happened in his life that looked for certain that he would never be king. For one thing, there was another king. <laughs> and that king was trying to kill him. And that king banished him from Israel. And, and then eventually, you know, he wasn't even in Israel anymore. And, 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 and just to see him over and over again just continue to trust in that word and detest God in that word. But even after he became king of Judah, if you remember at the very end of 1 Samuel, the beginning of 2 Samuel, he was told that he was going to be king of all Israel. Remember at the beginning, he was just king of two of the tribes. And now, did he just rush out and just grab those? Okay, let's immediately go to war against northern Israel. Didn't do it. Waited on the Lord. It was eight years. That is such an encouragement to me, that, that he didn't take things into his own hands. He waited eight years for the Lord just to bring the whole thing about. He tested the, the, the word of the Lord. He says, okay, Lord, you said it was going to happen. I'm not going to do it in the power of my hand of flesh, you got to do it. And he just waited, and he did it. And that's why th- this whole thing you see throughout the Bible, waiting on God. I think we have that back there now, by the way. Don't we have waiting on God back there? I think we do. Just an incredibly important concept, because waiting on God in the Old Testament, what it really means is allowing God and to, or testing God at his word so that you and I can say, I have proven God's word to be true, and we can develop a testimony that we can leave for others uh, behind us. And so um, David is not celebrating his own strength. He's celebrating um, God's strength and, uh, and just the history of God's strength, allowing him to stand in the face of uh, strife and, and rebellion. And it says in verse 36, this is one of my favorite uh, verses in the Bible. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your gentleness has made me great. Your gentleness has made me great. You know, that speaks of the gentleness and the grace of God. It speaks of the grace of God. The grace of God has made me great. Now, you would think... Uh, but by listening to many sort of preachers that, no, it's God's whip that makes men and women of God great. No, it's not. In fact, I can tell you uh, that my experience in ministry is people who have a rules-based faith, a legalistic faith, the people who come from legalistic churches, who, who come into this church or, or, or the ministry, I find it that Without exception, it's so much more difficult for them to walk in purity and for them to follow the calling of God than people who have just been bathed in grace. And, 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 and you know, grace is a very difficult thing to preach because you preach grace and that, that God accepts you just the way you are. You can fall down a hundred times. He will pick you up. There is grace there. People say, well, you can't preach that because people will go take advantage of it. And so what they do is they they try to control people. They try to put rules on their life. But that just weakens them. Rules weaken us. The law weakens us. That's what the law did. Grace strengthens us. Gentleness 
of God, the gentleness of God, makes us great. In other words, makes us great in our calling, whatever our calling. It may be uh, that, that we're, we're going to be a mother of, of two children and that, and, and that we're just going to be great at it. It's going to be sort of a great work of God. Well, it's the gentleness of God that makes us great. Uh, and, and David learned this. It was just uh, the, the, the grace that God uh, you know, had, had given him in his life. Verse 37, you enlarged my path uh, under me so my feet did not slip. Now, obviously, he, David did slip from time to time, but God never let him uh, fall off uh, the cliff. God never let him fall off that cliff. Verse um, 38 says, I pursued my enemies and destroyed them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. And I have destroyed them and wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. And, and this really speaks of, of the victory that we can have um, over sin. I was speaking to um, you know, uh, uh, a brother this morning just, um, uh, just about uh, pornography and, and the hope that 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 he can have and, and that I've seen many uh, have and that I've seen in my own life where you can really get to the point where it's like this. You've destroyed the sin. You've wounded it so that it doesn't rise. So you're not always thinking about it. So that you're not always having to put a, a you know a whole bunch of locks and chains all over your uh, all over your computer and everything. Those things are good and I recommend them but but you're not relying on things like that. That you're just, you've slain the sin. You've slain it. You've put it to death. There is victory. There is victory in Christ. For you have armed me with strength for the battle. Verse 40, for you have subdued under me those who rose against me. You have given me the necks of my enemies so that I destroyed those who hated me. They looked but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. I trod them like dirt in the streets, and I spread them out. You can have victory over sin. You can have victory um, over those addictions in your life that have uh, basically, they've had you on the ground with their boot on your neck about to kill you. You can have complete victory um, over those things. Uh, over those things. Uh, uh, that's what. Then I beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. I trod them like dirt in the street, and I spread them out. You have delivered me from the strivings of my people. You have kept me as the head of the nations. A people I have not known uh, shall serve me. The foreigners submit to me. As soon as they hear, they obey me. The foreigners fade away and. Uh, come frightened from their hideout. So this is just speaking of the unbelievable uh, deliverance and prosperity that David had experienced in Israel because of the faithfulness of God. Verse 47, the Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let, let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. It is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me uh, 
above those who rise against me. You have delivered the, me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. He is the tower of salvation to his king. He shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forevermore. And uh, this is the testimony of David. You don't see his heart raging against the Lord for the, uh, the tough times that he brought upon himself for the last 10 or 15 um, years of his life. Instead, uh, he has this song and he uh, is just crying it out for all to hear. And we're still hearing it 4,000 years later. He is the tower of salvation to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forevermore. You know, uh, a couple Sundays ago, I was uh, talking about the thief on the cross and just the point that you know, the thief on the cross, you know, he lives this horrible, wretched life. He was probably a petty thief, you know, ripping things off. And, and uh, he was basically, I'm sure, what, what the society would call rabble. He's a thief. He had nothing good about him. He's what the worth, you know, world would call scum, whatever. In God's eyes, he was, uh, he was made in the image of, uh, of God. In the world's eyes, he's scum. And He's sitting there on the cross, and he starts by cursing Jesus with the other criminal. They were both cursing him. And then, but something happens to his heart. He's just convicted by what, by what he sees uh, uh, going on next to him. It's the power of the cross. And he sees this man unjustly put there, and yet there's not a trace of bitterness or resentment. He's talking about forgiveness. And... You know, he, he, the other, the other guy's continuing to yell out at him, and so he rebukes the guy, and he goes, you know, quit rebuking him. You know, we got what we deserve. This man uh, is dying, even though he's innocent. And then he turned to Jesus, remember me uh, when you come into your kingdom. And, and Jesus turned to him and said, surely I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And people... Yeah, uh, so oftentimes, you know, you talk to people and they say, oh, you mean that all you have to do is say the sinner's prayer at the end of your life and you can live this incredibly horrible life, you know, sleeping around and partying and beating people up or, you know, whatever, and then just at the very end of the life, you know, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and, and well, you're telling me that, that uh, you can just... Uh, uh, do that, well, you know, that's unfair. What kind of just God is that? Uh, that is just totally unfair. And, and, you know, obviously that kind of perspective is a very unredeemed analysis <laughs> of the life because what the, the truth was is that Satan ripped that thief off. You know, the, the, the life in Christ is is this. It's Second Samuel 22. It's, it's, it's someone who can get to the end of their life. He is the tower of salvation. Uh, um, sorry, rather, he, uh, 
uh, is the tower of salvation to his king, and he shows, shows uh, mercy to his anointed. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted. Thief couldn't say that at the end of his life. He could say, wow, I'm going to heaven. But he had no testimony. He had been ripped off his whole life. And, and whenever anyone says, well, you know, a deathbed conversion, uh, you know, that, 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 that's like totally unfair. That's bogus. What that tells me is they know nothing about the abundant life in Christ. Here David is, and, and he's praising God at the end of his life for a long life of tremendous works. Of course, life's not easy. It's difficult. There's many incredibly trying seasons. Seasons where we really feel like we're in the furnace. It seems like forever, but but we're building a testimony that we can say with David at the end of our lives, uh, blessed be my rock. His word is proven. And so, you know, what a blessing it is not to be a part of a deathbed conversion, but, you know, God's into deathbed conversions. That's what grace is all about. That's the whole thing. It's not about works. It's nothing to do with how, how we live our, our life, heaven is. It, it, it's about the free gift that you can receive um, by faith. And so uh, what a blessing it is to be able to test God at his word and be able to say at the end of our life, he makes my feet like the feet of, of the deer, sets me on high places, and, 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 uh, and, and just... The, the, the whole testimony that David is able to give here. And what an example to us. Okay, well, we'll continue in, in uh, chapter 23 uh, next week. I encourage you to get into the Psalms and, and learn worship there uh, with the Psalms. So we are going to... Uh, we're going to uh, finish the teaching portion of this service. If you'd like to come back and pray with us, we're going to be praying in 10 or 15 minutes. I'd like to, uh, to pray tonight for, uh, let's pray for Gospel of Asia. Those are our uh, K.P. Yohannan's ministry where there's native Indian pastors who we support. Uh, let's remember them. If we have our pictures, uh, where's Kirk? Do we have our, the pictures? Kirk's not here. Uh, I think the pictures are back there. So let's look at the people we're praying for. Um, also, we have this dear sister here who, uh, who has a, a daughter who's going to be having a, um, a kidney transplant over at the Brigham. So I'd like to pray for her. Her name is Melissa Maples. Is that right? What's that? Nichols. Nichols. Oh, I'm sorry. Melissa Nichols. Okay, I was close. Melissa Nichols. And so let's re- remember Melissa, a kidney transplant. God would uh, be working in that. And, uh, and then every, anything else you guys have uh, to pray about, you can pray. But if you'd like to leave now, God bless you. And uh, see you next week.